what the baby in the manger didn't do. Matthew chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse number 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all male children who were in Bethlehem, in all and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel for Those who sought the young child's life were dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Every single year at this time of year, we sing the song, Joy to the World. The inspiration for that song from Sir Isaac Watts came from Psalm 98, verses 4 through 9. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and with the sound of a psalm. With trumpets and the sound of a horn, shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and its fullness. Let the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. So that was the inspiration that Sir Isaac Watts used And the original song he penned was Sing to the Lord. And then it later got modified to Joy to the Lord, uh, Joy to the World, the Lord will come. As Christians at Christmas, we have two reasons to celebrate. The Lord has come and the Lord will come. The Lord has come and thankfully... He is coming again. In between those two times is a mess. It is rough sailing. Christmas didn't stop Herod from committing mass murder for all those male children who were two years of age and under. Christmas, however, did show that evil will eventually be 
defeated and completely obliterated because of the power of Jesus Christ. So with all the nonsense and all the pain and all the suffering and all the evil that we see in our world today, I want to encourage all of us and hope that this Christmas you know that all of the evil we see around us will thoroughly be dealt with. So many people are hoping for many different things. So what are you hoping for this Christmas? Let's look at a couple of things that the manger didn't do. King Herod proved that evil was still alive and well, even though the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had been born in Bethlehem. Right after the star and, and the magi, the wise men and the shepherds and the stable birth, we see, starting in verse number 16, Herod legalizing mass murder. In the same chapter, the innocence of Jesus and the corruption of Herod. Salvation from God and the slaughter of innocent children. Pure evil and pure good. I'm sure you're like me. You get asked often if this, there is this God that you believe so strongly in. Why is everything so messed up? Why is the world so bad? Why is there so much evil? Why are there school shootings? Why can't people go to a church or to a supermarket or anywhere and be safe? People will point that God created the beginning, this perfect garden, and then things kind of went haywire from there. My comment to them is not because there is no God, it's because there is sin. There is sin in this world. Even when Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, their purpose for being in the garden and being on the earth did not change. They were given charge to be stewards over this planet. And even with the curse that was put on this planet because of sin, their own willful sin, they were still given charge over this world. We as God's people, we as the people of this planet, have rule and charge over this world, and we've done a terrible job with it. An absolute terrible job with it. All throughout the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis, we see evil just being rampant to the point where God had instructed Noah to build a boat because I've had it. I've had it with the way things are. And he instructs him to build this boat that takes a long time to build so people had a chance to not laugh at Noah, but to actually come forward and be part of this salvation effort. But that didn't happen. And then, okay, great. We're starting over again with a family that was right before God. And, they are now, and now everybody on the planet is going to follow God. But we read in the 11th chapter of Genesis that everyone wanted to do what they wanted to do. Because God told people to scatter over all the earth. And in the 11th chapter of Genesis, they say, let us build a tower so we can stand together and be even greater than God. And God said, uh-uh. When are people going to realize that when God says something, to go in a different way is foolish? So God confused their languages. 
And it's in Genesis chapter 12 that the promise is begun by God anointing then Abram, who becomes Abraham. Jesus' birth didn't eliminate evil. It didn't eliminate suffering. It didn't take away discord. It doesn't stop people from having conflict. There's no consensus among scholars or historians how many babies were killed because of this edict from King Herod. Anywhere from as few as 50 to as many as 200. Intense suffering. Imagine the people of those districts of Bethlehem who all of a sudden their babies are being taken into the streets and slaughtered. Suffering so deep that in the moment consolation seems counterproductive and so personal that standard pat answers just won't do. Suffering so intense that relief just seems to be an insult. I don't have to prove to anybody here, I hope, that bad things still happen even though Jesus has come, he's paid for our sins, he's risen from the dead, and we can have a relationship with him. Even when people come to Jesus and begin what their destiny is, their best destiny in following the Lord, how many know we all still experience difficult times? I mean, maybe after you gave your heart to the Lord, life has been perfect every day since. But it's not been perfect in my life. We live in a very evil world. And why is this world so evil? It's full of people. If there were no people, there would be no evil. You know the suffering, the pain of loss, the pain of illness. I've been following a friend of mine as she posts in the last few weeks on Facebook. I don't know if he ever came here years ago to speak. A former state youth director for the Church of God in New York, uh, uh, Dr. Daniel Vassell. He had been for the past number of years working in our Department of Education, uh, preaching all over the world to try and uh, mobilize and inspire uh, a laity to just to fulfill the Great Commission. He was doing a wonderful work. He had spent most of November in France teaching for different points. People were coming from different parts of Europe. And then in early December, he went from France to South Africa, where he was doing a marvelous work. And one night after they were late in church, they went out for dinner to a restaurant, and he got food poisoning. And he was in the hospital there, and he was doing well, and then took a turn for the worst, and at the age of 64, died. Those are difficult situations to try to make sense of. They don't make sense to us. Why does this still happen? This was an anointed, on fire for the Lord, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost-filled preacher of the gospel, doing a tremendous work. 
The outpouring of love to his wife Jenny and their family has been tremendous to demonstrate the impact he had on so many. And yet he's gone. This is the world we live in. Gee, I'm so glad at Christmas time I came to church today. But this is the world we live in. Bad things happen even though the Messiah had come. Bad things still happen. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave us? Although the birth of Jesus didn't destroy evil, Jesus was born so that the process of evil being destroyed could begin. We know because of what the Bible says that death and the grave will be defeated. We know that sin has a time clock on it. We know that there is a day where every tear will be wiped away, where all pain will disappear, where all suffering and sorrow will become a thing of the distant past beyond our memory. That is the hope of all those whose faith are in Jesus Christ. First John chapter 3, verse number 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. My main point is the second part. For this purpose, the Son of God has, was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Personally, aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus Christ has destroyed the works of the enemy in your life? Aren't you glad he has delivered you from the nonsense that is out there? Aren't you thankful that he has brought to you and to me a clear head and a clear heart that we can do things this world's not capable of? They say the only way you can love someone is if they love you back. No, we can love everyone because Jesus is in our hearts. I can only be friends with someone who's of the same political persuasions that I am. Nonsense. If you were created in the image of God, we can be friends. If you were created in the image of God, we can have a meal together. If you were created in the image of God, we can go more than 10 seconds without having an argument. Okay, maybe 10 seconds is a long time. Jesus was born that evil would be destroyed. Cassie Bernal was the 17-year-old student who died for her faith in 1999 in Columbine High School. Fellow students Eric Harris and Dylan um, Klebold stormed the school and gunned down 12 students and one teacher before taking their own lives. Cassie was the brave young lady who took a bullet because of her faith in Christ. One of the gunmen had yelled, anyone in here believe in God? With all of the students lying on the floor, Cassie yelled and stood up and replied, Yes, I believe in God. I belong to the Lord Jesus. And the young killer then asked why before he shot her. She hadn't been given an answer, a chance to answer. This radiant teenager died a martyr. But a few years prior, she might have been an accomplice to the massacre. 
When Cassie was in the ninth grade, her parents, Brad and Misty, became very concerned about their daughter's behavior. They discovered she was interested in witchcraft and involved with alcohol and drugs. When they searched her room, they found letters that talked about harming her parents and other people. They immediately intervened. Cassie was enrolled in another school and cut off from friends who had exerted evil influence. Thank God for good parents. They regularly searched her belongings and monitored her activities. Apart from school, she would only attend their church, West Bowles Community Church in Littleton, Colorado. Cassie reluctantly went on a weekend youth retreat that changed her life. Her dad said she went away as a gloomy, troubled teen and came back transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. She discovered the joy of salvation that carried her, sadly, to an early grave. Her transformation can be summarized by the words she shared on a video just two days before her death. She said, you really can't live without Jesus. It's like impossible to really have a really true life without him. Just two years earlier, Cassie was very similar to Eric and Dylan. But Jesus Christ changed all that. We can't help but ask the same question that was posted in the Baptist Standard Editor by Marv Knox around the time of the shooting. One wonders how thousands of lives might be different today if the parents of Dylan and, er and, and Eric had intervened in their lives and made the same choices. How is evil destroyed? One life at a time. One life at a time. Jesus coming into your life, Jesus coming into my life, and then allowing his love and his power to grow manifest in all that we do. I do wish that there was such a thing as a magic wand that I could just wave and all the evil in the world would be gone. Christ didn't eliminate suffering, but he was born that one day all suffering would vanish from the face of humanity. Amen. Revelations chapter 1, uh, chapter 21, beginning in verse number 3. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be there with them. And be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he, then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said, To me, write to these words are true and faithful. That is the God that we serve today. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more suffering. He will make all things new. But as I preached a couple of weeks ago, when I talked about do you want to be made well, you have to ask the question sometimes of people, do you want things to be made new? Do you want things to be better? Or have we become so identified with pain, so embracing of our sorrow that it's become an identity for us what would people do if all of a sudden they had nothing to disagree about oh my goodness they'd have to actually get along 
when we see suffering in this world, we want to ask God, why? It's a natural question to ask. Some of you have worked in situations where you have seen the worst that human existence has to offer. I know many friends who are law enforcement that have seen things that they would never want to see and been involved in situations. I've had friends who have been workers in, in the medical community, in, let's say, the emergency room or in critical care units. And they, want, and they often ask, why? Why? Truth is, that's the wrong question. The wrong, it's not that we don't wonder why, but the right question is not why. It's Lord, when? When will this all stop? And that's where we get to the end of Revelation. Even so, Lord, come quickly. There's nothing here I want to hold on to. When will you finish what you began in the manger? Church, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Christmas gives us a hope, and, a, and that hope gives us something to hold on to. Something to hold on to in the midst of all kinds of reminders, in the midst of all kinds of things. For that family, the Vassal family, Thanksgiving and Christmas will be a constant reminder when the head of the home went home to be with Jesus. But as Sister Jenny has posted, there is a difference. We do sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. We believe he's alive today. We believe Daniel Vassal is walking the streets of glory. He is dancing. And if I know uh, Daniel, who loved his Jamaican heritage, he is dancing and eating great Jamaican food right now. Christmas didn't stop. Herod from killing innocent children. It doesn't stop murder here today of the innocent. It doesn't stop school shootings. It doesn't stop crime in the subways. But it does show us something. God's got a plan for all this. And God's on the throne. He's going to deal with it. He didn't stop bad things from happening but he's not going to let bad things off the hook. My hope is that this Christmas you and I will know that all the evil we see in the world will be dealt with. I'll often hear people say, it's just not fair the way these things happen. And then they'll translate that as they kind of come back at me. Your God's not fair. If he were fair, these things wouldn't happen. And I've learned over the course of my life, as I've gotten older, yes, I use the word old to refer to myself. When they say God's not fair, I reply, you're right. He's not. Because if I got what I deserved, if I got what I had coming to me, then I'd have to pay for my own sins. I'd have to settle my debts on my own. But he's not fair. He's gracious. He's not fair. He's merciful. He died in my place because he's not fair. He decided to take on the penalty for my sins so that I wouldn't have to try and pay a debt. I had no way of paying. 
We need to live not like the people in the world who live in fear, in loathing and misery because of evil, and they can't reconcile it within their own hearts. But live knowing that Jesus will finish what he started. That when he comes back, it's not going to be a baby in a manger. It's going to be a mighty conquering warrior and the king of kings and lord of lords. It was clearly a perfect Christmas for little Jessica. She got all the presents she wanted. Her cousins were with her to share the holiday. And she had eaten great food all day long. As her mother tucked her into bed that night, Jessica smiled and sighed and said, I sure hope Mary and Joseph have another baby next year. That is sweet. That's what people are looking for this Christmas. They're looking for the holiday, for the coming of the baby that most don't believe in anyway, to solve all of their problems in life. A holiday is not going to do that. A feast is not going to do that. A family gathering is not going to do that. Who's in office is not going to do that. Who's not in office is not going to do that. Jesus. Faith in Jesus Christ. We sang about it today. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. We can and should live like that the Son of God is born in our hearts every single day. That his peace and joy in the face of difficulty, we decide are going to rule in us. And that we need to live that the escalation of unthinkable evil is not a sign of God not being there, but is a sign that what he wrote thousands of years ago, he was right. It's going to get bad. It's going to get worse. But then Jesus says, look to the eastern skies from that's where your redemption comes. Jesus is coming again. Celebrating the coming of the baby in the manger gives us hope to keep looking for the second coming. He's going to rapture the church one day and we're going to be gone from this nonsense. When we, when, when we go to be with Jesus in the air, I'm not going to have to care who's Republican or Democrat. I'm not going to have to care what color your skin is. I'm only going to have to know that Jesus is calling me home. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our King, that's Christmas. Not this commercial nonsense. You know, I guess because of the era and age I grew up in, I do like the old Christmas specials. I think I've seen twice already the Charlie Brown Christmas. It ends the same way every time. And the other one, which might surprise some, I'm not sure why, but I love the old version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. One, I like the voice of the singer, that lovely, deep, baritone voice. So that is like, sing it, brother, sing it. (laughs) And people like the idea of all of a sudden something bursting onto the mind or the heart of people 
that as the cartoon says, the Grinch's heart grew three times that day. It's a wonderful idea. And he was able to sail back into Whoville and have a wonderful Christmas with them. I freely admit that as a kid, after watching it for the first time, I went looking over maps to say, where is Whoville? (laughs) Never found it. But that's not how it works. There isn't just this mystical, magical thing that makes people's hearts grow three times the regular size, and they become more loving and more caring and more giving. That happens when you come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus Christ and really live his teachings, bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Bless and pray for those who not only use you, but do it spitefully with you in mind. That's the life of that baby in the manger. That's the life of Jesus. Stand with me, please.